Hey Siri, how many people in the state of California are without power due to the winter storms? Here's what I found. Oh my. Hi everybody, I'm Bill Bateman, part of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training, and that number that Siri gave me was 240,000 people with no power. Now that's down from 400,000 people, uh, thanks to the good work, and a shout out to all the workers who are out there in the rain and the wet getting things back together, but it's still nearly... 250,000 people. Now what does that look like? What does that mean? Imagine the entire population of Jackson County being without power. That's what it looks like as a result of this storm. There is a death toll by the way. The death toll is rising. Damage to property, damage to uh, infrastructure, bridges, streets, uh, roads, that type of thing. Losses in the billions of dollars Rain is expected to continue for the next week. And this is a good indicator that prepping is far more relevant than it's ever been. It's far more important. It also may be a good time to go biblical and look at a quote from Matthew uh, 5.45. The quote is, Rain falls the wicked and the just. It also falls, paraphrasing a bit, on the rich and the poor. It's fascinating looking at the news to see Santa Barbara and Montecito, Southern California, very wealthy neighborhood, home to a lot of stars and celebrities. We know uh, Sylvester Stallone, Oprah, uh, Harry and Meghan, and Ellen DeGeneres all live there. You can go on the internet and see Ellen in her backyard in her hoodie and her raincoat with the creek rising towards her home. Uh, she is trapped in her home. The sheriff has ordered the evacuation of 10,000 people, the entire city of Montecito, except for those who are at the tops of hills because they can't get out. They have to shelter in place. If I could ever come up with a more realistic, reasonable, real-life example of why you want to be prepared, that's it. And let's take this another step further. Uh, interesting story. We had storms, of course, going on all through December, and they had the big freeze on the East Coast. We got some rain that moved east, and in Buffalo, New York, made the news. It was fascinating when I read this story. Uh, a man and his family were in the car. They were trying to get from point A to point B, and they were caught by the by the snow, by a blizzard, freezing, whiteout conditions, couldn't see. I mean, if you've ever been in one, you know what I'm talking about, and if you haven't, I cannot describe it to you. And they had what they thought was everything they're going to need in the car. They had some sand. They had a shovel. They had some blankets. They had tire chains. Well, they couldn't even get out of the car to try and put the chains on and if they could have they had like four feet of snow they were going absolutely nowhere they were stuck they were stranded they did everything they thought they could in that they ran the car for just a little bit didn't run all the fuel out made it last as long as they could as it got dark and it got colder and the visibility finally cleared a little they saw some homes 
and once the gasoline was gone, they're stuck in the car. And this is a real human interest story, and it gives us some questions for next week. I want to hear from you on this question. They finally determined they're actually turning blue. They're having, you know, it's got to get out of the car, and they saw homes. They weren't out in the middle of nowhere. There were homes, so they went. Dad went first, breaking a trail. Mom carried the kids and followed in his footsteps. They got to the first house. They knocked on the door. Middle of the night by now. It's like 11, 12, 30. Very late. Middle of a blizzard. Someone's banging on your door. People opened the door, kind of peeked out, and they explained their situation, pointed to their car. They said, we need help. Call 911. Can we at least get up on your porch? And folks said, no. Go away. This happened three more times. Finally, Dad noticed a school, an elementary school. They got onto school property. They got to a door. He broke in. He broke into the school. The alarm, of course, went off. He was able to silence the alarm so they don't have to continue to listen to it. He did call. He said, hey, this is us. This is what we did. Help, help, help. But they were indoors. They had heat. They had water. They were some food in the cafeteria. They did not starve. They did not freeze. They did not die of exposure. In the next couple of days, things started to settle down help arrived and some of the people coming to check on them at the school were the neighbors that had turned him away. One was in tears apologizing for their behavior. Now this is a fascinating question because we give examples almost every other week if somebody comes with the old my car's broken down can I use your telephone thing in the middle of the night you're not going to let them in. You'll, let, you'll call 911, sure, but you're not letting a stranger in in the middle of the night. But here we have a blizzard. Here we have a white-out, total deep freeze, little kids turning blue. I'm curious. I have my opinion, but I'd like to get an email from somebody who's out there listening. What would you do? Not normally, but in extreme circumstances. How would you treat this situation? My wife and I and my kids are freezing we need help. You don't have to let us in, uh, feed us, just let us in on the snow porch so we don't freeze to death. They could be criminals. Okay, an interesting thought. As we look at the way the weather is changing, I had a very interesting conversation with somebody. They said, uh, there were three or four of us standing around, and one person says, well, I don't believe in global warming. I think it's all just bogus. And another person pops up and says, well, that doesn't matter if you believe in global warming because it believes in you. Looking locally, uh, some of the storms at the higher altitudes, we know in Truckee, Donner Pass, they're getting several feet of snow. Uh, We're seeing some snow at the high elevations here. And I found some interesting videos. Part of what I try and do every week is give you ideas, things to research, things to check on, things to look into greater depth. Now, our people in Buffalo, they had all the stuff they thought they needed in their car. And... They didn't. Extreme circumstances. I read a thing on what happens if you're buried in a blizzard. A $5 emergency heat source 
for your car. I'm going to include the link. It's a YouTube video. It's got some good information in it. And a couple weeks ago, we were talking about making a stove out of a coffee can so you don't have to have a campfire and worry about spreading a fire. This is all about making a heater out of a coffee can. Now, you need a real metal can. You can't use one of those Costco things that's pressed cardboard. You'll set the silly thing on fire. You need a metal coffee can, a big one, and you need unscented candles. That's very important. Uh, we all love Bayberry, but not in a closed vehicle for 12 hours. No. Unscented candles. The video goes into detail. Basically, you've got good duct tape, not the $1.98 sent a roll crud from the gas station. You want real good duct tape. You've got your metal can with some of those votive lights and they go into detail in the video as to what that is. Small little heating candles and probably three in your coffee can. A stash of those, the duct tape, and an emergency blanket. Now I use the Don't Die in the Woods blanket camo on one side, reflective on the other. You capture air between the dash and the windshield using the reflective side inside the car. If you're in a pickup truck, you put it behind you, you put it on the roof, and you put it on the doors, leaving one door accessible and open. There's two reasons you got to do that. One, anytime you're doing combustion, I don't care what you've read or where it is, you are going to want to have ventilation. Now, you want fresh air, obviously, but you also need to remove condensation. If you're heat, if you've got sweat, if you've got warmth and you've got cold, the last thing you want to do is get your clothing or your skin wet from condensation. So you got to vent lightly. Now, if you have a bigger car, a passenger car, you're going to want to, of course, do the front and back and back window. If you've got an SUV or a bigger vehicle, like a van, you're going to want to close that back area off. The idea is, and you may want two cans, one for the front seat, one for the back. The good thing about this, very cheap. The another good thing about it, it's not that big. Most of it's going to fit in a fairly small box. The, I would say, well, you know how big a coffee can is, uh, double that. A good size Amazon box, and it's in the trunk, easy to get to. You should have the blankets, you should have the hand warmer. Another thing I found out, and this is absolutely fascinating, this guy says use stick matches instead of your BIC or your propane lighter. Now, you don't, if you want to carry the lifeboat matches, those are specially treated, they'll strike anywhere good plan. If you're going to use the stick matches, do get the real ones, not the mother approved. You're going to want to have the uh, strike anywhere because the other ones I've found, any type of condensation or moisture, those things are going to end up just scraping off the scraper and you can't light them. So strike anywhere matches, lifeboat matches if you want to go that extreme. The reason you don't want your BIC or a propane lighter is the same reason a big propane bottle can be a problem. When it gets cold, when the temperature gets below 30, you are going to see them start to frost over and they'll stop working. Same with your propane bottles. So this is just one example of looking at the big picture, looking at what's going on, realizing all this disruption has long-term impact and 
a, a good example of that. I was just got a note from one of my uh, retirement providers, and they said, well, things are going pretty well, but you should be aware that if the economy really stalls out, some of our investments are going to lose in value. Now, I don't particularly expect you to care about my retirement. However, what about yours or your kid's college fund or the money you're saving for houses or trips or expenses? This stuff has long-term impact. So let's look at ways we can take small steps to deal with big problems because really that's the only way it's going to happen. I don't think the government is capable of doing it. I think we as Americans have always been a country of innovators, of doers, of tinkerers. If you look at Amazon, started in the guy's garage. They used to have a little bell set up and things would ring when an order would come in once or twice a day. Ding. And they'd all run out and they'd applaud. Hey, we got an order and pack up a book and send it off. Look what it's become today. The Wright brothers couple of bicycle mechanics hanging around and now we have the avi aviation industry. I'm not too fond of Southwest right now, but that's a whole nother story. We are tinkerers. We as Americans are innovators and we, you folks who are sitting out there, we have always been able to be critical thinkers, to look at problems, to look at issues. Let's take small steps towards a big problem couple of things that uh, in addition to the YouTube videos I'm going to put up, I found talking about heaters because we've had extensive discussions on propane uh, ways to keep things warm, the little buddy heaters, that type of thing. I found a couple of interesting videos. It's possible, and I always wondered if it was, my wife asked me this, can we refill these one pound propane bottles? I mean, that's that's difficult uh, to throw all that stuff out. We hate to waste it. So let's, yeah, I did in fact go on the internet and find that at YouTube, there are a couple of videos how to refill the small bottles from a big one, the big containers. You need an adapter. You need some common sense. And you need to do it outside far, far away of any uh, flames, heat source, big lighters or stick matches or candle stoves. This is a really interesting uh, bit of information. I think it's worth sharing and it's going to be up in the front as well. Okay, in other disaster news, the new governor of Oregon was sworn in. There's an update from that on the front page from off. I invite you to take a look. I was interested to find out that the new governor allegedly is unwilling to meet and talk about the gun issue. Uh, she is, however, willing to push a lot of anti-gun legislation. 114 is still on hold. The latest idea is cherry-picking what they keep. That's not how it works. You passed a law, it either is constitutional or it's not. Uh, this thing, I believe, is going to go down in flames, but that will not stop the people behind it from trying it again. And that's where, uh, there's a final point today, there's 40,000 people who bought guns, plus or minus, and they're still on hold. There's over 160,000 concealed carriers in Oregon. If you're not on the phone, if you're not writing letters, if you're not talking to people and being the adult in the room when you do it, then you are part of the problem. 
we have to stand up. We have to let them know that, no, you don't get to vilify us. No, you don't get to cherry pick what you want to do. And as an elected representative, you will not ignore me and ignore our rights and ignore what we want to see happen as part of the community. All right, let's see what else. Finally, we do still have classes coming up. Yes, we do a new concealed carry coming up on the 14th next Saturday. And we also have a number of new owner classes, new shooters as you're, gu as you're getting your guns. And you can do a service to a friend. If you know somebody who's got a purchase in line, when they get their new firearm, please take a class. Don't just look at a YouTube video. Come in and get some instruction on safe and responsible gun ownership. We have a class for new owners. It's available just about any time. I teach it. CJ teaches it. Phil teaches it just about any day of the week. And it's out there at the range. So concealed carry happening the second Saturday of every month. One coming up this Saturday. New owners class coming up. And I'm hearing good things. My favorite class of ever is the tactical shotgun home defense. Uh, Phil's working on getting an updated version of that out. So there's a lot of good things happening as well as the gloom and doom. So that's what I got for this week. We're going to go into greater depth about small steps to attack big problems. My email's on the front. If you've got some suggestions on our quandary, what do you do with the midnight caller, or ways that we can be positively proactive and deal with the problems that we're seeing in Salem and the problems we're seeing in Washington, I'd love to hear from you. We'll talk about them here. I'm also going to start looking for some guests. I'd like to have some guest stars and guest people visiting. Come on back next week. Things are going to get interesting. Be safe. We'll see you at the range.